0: Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held on January 1st, 2022. It's called Hearing a Different Drum. So here we are at the beginning of a new year. That's the agreed story, of course. Someone made it up a long time ago, all these ideas about dates and time and all of those things. Nevertheless, it has a kind of cultural overlay in our minds. And uh, one of the things that I've always been very keenly aware of is a sense that it's just really another day or another moment, you could say. I've spent most of them in my adult life in silent retreats. I mostly have spent New Year's uh, in silent retreats, not of late due to our circumstances, but uh, that always appealed to me, not in any particularly symbolic way, but just because I liked to be out of the story, frankly. So I saw a quote today, which I liked It is only possible to live happily ever after on a day-to-day basis. This is a woman named Margaret Bonanno, who I guess was a science fiction writer who uh, died a few years ago. It is only possible to live happily ever after on a day-to-day basis. One could also say a
1: moment-to-moment basis, really. And of course, that has to do with perhaps
0: stepping out of the narrative that is being broadcast in the world and falling into, in a way, your own narrative, especially if it's sort of
1: wisely directed by you. If you're the director of your story, then it would be recommended to be wise as a director.
0: And as I often say, that has to do with how you're using your attention.
1: It's so simple. Because the the stories that are broadcast in our time
0: are getting crazier and crazier from my point of view. I don't know if it's just that I'm from some other time. You know, I am from the last century, but sort of the midpoint of the last century. (laughs) So it's getting to be quite a long time ago. Or if I am just a natural misfit to the modern age, for instance, the enthusiasm of something like the metaverse that Zuckerberg is uh, promoting to the world just gives me the willies it's just i have a shudder at the thought of it that the disconnection and the celebration of a mediated life like an almost entirely mediated life as if we don't have enough of that already is something i i, I find pretty horrifying and feels like an opposite direction of peace and of connection with others of understanding of all of the good things, frankly. So we swim now in a very powerful mediated reality that is being very powerfully broadcast every moment of the day. And it's quite hard, I think, to step out of that narrative to take a completely different path but I'm going to recommend that that's exactly what we do. And it takes a certain type of fortitude, a kind of heart bravery, a kind of confidence when everyone else is, is stepping to some other beat. I highly recommend listening to an interview with someone called Matthias Desmond. And it's uh, an interview about basically mass psychosis and mass hypnosis. He's a Belgian psychologist and statistician, kind of an interesting combination. And he analyzes this collective hypnosis that we find ourselves in. It's not the first time in history, of course, but this one is particularly powerful because of the power of the media that is
1: controlling the narrative. What if your own internal narrative, your own
0: commitment to your own happily ever after, doesn't fit with the the beat of the world, but it might fit with your own kind, your own group,
1: And that might be a minority, but it's a good company. And you're in company with those whose names we
0: remember through history and whose lives we celebrate and honor and understood that they saw something. And they were probably misfits in their own time. In fact, a lot of them got killed and crucified and things like that. But one of the advantages we do have with all this technology is that we can actually find the misfits in different countries as we're doing
1: as we're doing right now and we can have a sense of camaraderie and a sense of belonging and a sense of okay uh, i'm not crazy <laughs> i'm hearing a different drum And others are hearing that same drum. And that's very, very comforting. So here we are at this moment in history. And it all feels like it's going really fast. I was talking to a friend today in San Francisco,
0: and he was saying, like, he has to do this weekly, this one weekly thing that he does. And he says, I keep feeling as that little task that he has to do comes up, he's doing it and he's saying, I just did this a couple of days ago, but no, it was a week ago. And I have the same thing with taking out my garbage, frankly, (laughs) and recycling, which has to be done on Monday nights. And every time Monday is rolling around and I'm doing it again, I'm thinking, I just did this. It's that time just feels like it's this whoosh, but my own life is actually kind of still. It's not. It's the least motion in my whole life, this last two years. I, I was cleaning out a closet the other day and I came upon this schedule of mine from 2003. And it was, I looked at it, I got tired just looking at it. I mean, I was all over the place, I was in all these different cities in a month. And <laughs> There was a kind of gallop to it. And apparently I had the energy and the enthusiasm to do it at the time. But gosh, now, I mean, I barely, I've hardly put any miles on my car at all, you know, this whole time. And yet I feel that there's been a speeding up of everything around me. So it gives this sense of of time just whizzing by. And I have this sense of needing to be still in the midst of it. Like, as it goes faster and crazier, I just want to go more and more still. There are many things I could speak about on these kinds of subjects. I spend a lot of time in contemplation about them, because as I've told you all before, I'm interested in my particular time in history in which I landed. I, I like to pay attention to, oh, well, this is the historical moment, and... What else is happening here? What are the salient points of this existence? So I do pay attention to it, but I find myself more and more not really wanting to participate in it, really being willing to be out of step and out of sync with the culture at large, the mediated culture, the mercenary culture, the consumerist culture the technotopia culture. So this is by way of giving us permission for anyone who would like to have that permission. Of course, everyone should go with their own nature. I'm quite aware that, I mean, the kid across the street, he wants nothing more than to be able to go to Mars and he lives on his computer. And that's him, that's his life. He would not not resonate with what I'm saying. He may never, not just because he's a... 13-year-old boy but because it may be that he's he's reared in a different consciousness and maybe that is how a lot of the young people are going to experience life and prefer it we may be we who see things more like this that I'm speaking about we may be seen as creatures from another time and also that's Maybe the truth of it. But I I recommend for those of us who are feeling this way, you are in good company. There are lots of people who see it this way. We're a minority, yes, but there are still many of us. And I don't see the other path as very sustainable. It may be and I hope it is for the young people, but the evidence so far doesn't look promising. There's a lot of of depression in the young people, high rates of suicide in younger and younger people, a lot of things that we never saw uh, in my young years. So we may also be called upon to be these representatives of something that might be perceived as lost, We might be the the placeholders for a certain way of life, a certain way of viewing things
1: that is more attuned to the natural world, natural rhythms, natural understandings of how things work, the complexity of systems
0: that you don't just tweak something on one end and expect that there's no effect
1: anywhere else on that system. Yes. In the midst of all of this, a quiet sanctuary that for me is becoming
0: more and more necessary, more and more necessary for my own sanity and for my own inner confidence. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take much reflection to see the extreme disadvantages of
1: disconnecting from the natural world from slower rhythms It doesn't take a whole lot of of consideration you can usually feel it in your body
0: but if people are completely disconnected from their own bodies, from their own nervous systems and are living on a kind of adrenaline and constant being jacked up by stimulation,
1: they they lose touch with, with whether something is healthy or not. Um I like that that you said, you know, we're, we're placeholders. And I went on a hike
2: yesterday out in the countryside by myself. Um, And I haven't been for about eight weeks because I had an issue with my knee and I thought I just need to do this to get out in nature. And I found it so nourishing because that that's my placeholder. It's just it's always there and the attention is always there. It's just so beautiful. And I found over the holidays, I don't see many people either, but the people that come into my life are I'm there. I found I, I give them my attention. It's like being a placeholder for them. If you give someone your, when you say everything around us is so fast and crazy. I think being a placeholder, I just feel like a tree and I love it as well. You know,
0: um, as you're speaking, I, I realized I I read a quote the other day that goes, the greatest generosity is your attention. Yeah. Like giving your attention. I thought that was so brilliant I mean it's self-evident in a way but it is actually it is actually what people so love to have is
1: is to just be met you know yes 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 yeah exactly I'm in a rehabilitation program they suggested that I stop working completely so that I can focus
3: on what they're asking me to do and that's What's making me improve and then I had all this extra time and I was like should you know I used to play the piano should I should I replay songs I played before or should I learn something new you know what would be good for my brain and the answer was no (laughs) you shouldn't do anything no new projects (laughs) it's really about just being
0: yeah yeah well your body here to the point I was making about the body is giving signals when you're attuned. Your body is yeah. giving you the signals as to what is going to be healing for you and what feels right and what does not yeah. add stress. Yeah. So, yes. And then yeah. one
3: thing I'm really learning from it all is about, well, I mean, I'm learning that my own, my tendency is that I go, full force into something and then I burn out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I have had to do some tests. We had some hypnosis as part of the rehab, which was lovely. And there was a test and that's what I did. There were six questions. I got through two. I did them really well. And then I was just done. (laughs) I couldn't do any more. So I, that's, and I, I see how I've done that in my life. And so I'm learning from this and I wanna come out on the other side with some new habits and this whole idea of using energy wisely. And I was wondering, could you say something about that?
0: Sure. I mean, again, going to the, to the conditioning of the culture, the culture pretends to reward people who are doing all the time, right? There's a, there's a sort of thing about everybody's so busy and they feel like they should be busy (laughs) and, you know, and if you're not being busy, you feel like you're falling behind or you're not quite living up to whatever potential fantasy you might have and so on. It's, again, stepping out of that narrative or that pressure lets you be in your own natural rhythm, which maybe it sometimes feels creative, in which case you create something, even if it's just cooking something new and also allows you if you have the luxury of time to be lazy sometimes when you don't feel like doing anything when you just want to watch an old movie or two old movies or an entire series <laughs> you know? or you want to just listen to some music you haven't listened to in a while or some new stuff or um, whatever your thing is, whatever relaxes you or, or slow walk in nature, I like to think whenever I'm walking, I, I like to say I'm strolling because <laughs> I like mm-hmm. the idea of strolling. <laughs> um, I stroll on the beach. It's a a way of listening to yourself. It's just that's it. you're you're kind of tuned to the vibratory rhythm that is moving you. And without stories that you've inherited or that the culture is broadcasting, right? Again, stepping out of that narrative altogether, if possible. I mean, it's hard to get away from it entirely, but when you're talking about energy, one of the things I've observed with having led silent retreats for so many years is people are often pushing their energy in their lives they're like pushing themselves and they come to retreat where some some people come to retreat and the first two days are basically a form of collapse like they can't they just sleep and their their body starts to catch up with how exhausted it is from just their life that their life is exhausting because it's a race it's a constant chase of this and then and that and more and experiences and objects and Filling it constantly filling up in a hungry ghost way, in such a way that you actually never feel full. You just keep pushing it in and trying to find some kind of fulfillment. The revelation often that comes for people when they stop is, you know, after a couple of days for some people or sometimes longer, is that they, they're they in direct harmony with their internal system, their vibratory system of their of their body, of their mind, of their level of energy. And then they start moving from that internal, that actual an internal wind, you could say, rather than an idea or a concept or a drive that has been inherited or that they've been conditioned to believe for a long, long time. And that's one of the great, that is one of the most amazing things that happens at the retreats is that people will reset their program and realize I have been in a kind of hypnosis, right? They realize I have been in a kind of trance that was driving me for something out there, something that was gonna be out there that I could chase and finally rest, but there's never any end to the chasing and therefore never any rest. And so then they, they come to a retreat and, they, and they're and they at rest and in a kind of happiness and a sense of fulfillment that doesn't depend on anything. And that noticing, that that seeing, that knowledge that comes in that experience can make a huge difference in one's life from from then on as you're alluding to
3: it uh, really does it yeah. does and when I when I like right now I monitor my energy very closely so if I do something where my energy goes you know where I'm using my energy like even watching a movie I can't do that or listening to music can't yes. do that okay. or going out shopping all of these things but sometimes I have energy and I do and it feels great and yes th- and so it and then i'm in it and it feels so good and then all of a sudden i crash so but i think it's kind of a microcosm i think at some point i'll be able to do those things but it's like a microscope on what happens at a bigger level often in life that you know you keep going and going and it's hard to feel when you're in that state that that you're overdoing it it's like somehow that sense it
0: fades Yeah, I mean, I think that one has to get more accustomed to noticing the early signs so that you don't have to go to the full collapse before you realize I needed to stop, right? You start to see at the earlier signs and then take care of it as you go. So yes, there's an attunement to energy and then also a recognition, by the way, that each of our biological and neurological systems is unique to ourselves. Some people have enormous amounts of energy. They just have, they, for whatever reasons, nothing to do with merit, particularly. They just have tremendous energy. Or you could also say that their energy is available for a lot of external activity. Not in a bad way necessarily, but that they can create and they can help and they can do all kinds of things. You know, you hear about doctors who go around the world and go to refugee camps and work long, incredible hours, and you know, come home and take care of family and all. You know, like incredible, extraordinary reserves of energy. It may be that some of us. And I would say I'm probably one of these. I don't have much available energy for just a lot of externalities. I find I get tired from a lot of stimuli. And yet I do have enormous attention for certain types of things that interest me or that I find philosophically satisfying or connection with people talking about things that are meaningful or just funny, just I mean, having a good laugh that I have tremendous energy for, or also in times when I've been in a creative project, which tended to be more in using my mind, that has been also a part of my journey. And sometimes when I've been like, I had a a boyfriend long, long ago who had the energy of 10 people. (laughs) It was crazy how much energy he had. And sometimes in relation to him, this was long ago, I would think, gosh, you know, I'm kind of a slug compared to him. (laughs) But I I see it very differently now. I see that I just was doing something different with my mind and my my energy. It wasn't being used in that way. The world, though, does tend to reward those types that are out there who uh, can manifest a lot of stuff. And then it's a question of what do you value? Like if you're someone who actually likes a lot of quiet and your life feels not as big and expansive as somebody else's who's got a massive amount of energy for external reality, um, so be it. That's all fun for them. It may not be at all fun for you. I mean, I've known plenty of people over the years who live very quiet, Lives not moving around a lot and yet rich lives. Yeah, yeah.
3: Thank you. Yeah, you are. And I'll just add, your podcasts are the only thing I can listen to. Sometimes I can manage to listen to them while I drive because I can't multitask. Oh. But these are so good, and I've also. Listen to, I've listened to them all now, and I've listened to some of the oldest ones. And the ones you had in Berkeley and LA, I've lived those places. And it was so cool to hear. I loved the things people asked, And this thing of of just feeling that there's kindred souls in these places I've been was just lovely.
0: So thank you. you. I'm going, because I'm moving, I'm going through old materials that are here. And so I have, I've come upon all these old audio tapes from the early nineties <laughs> when we were on just cassette tapes and then there's a whole phase on CDs and then there was a phase yes. on MP3s, but none of that is available on the podcast that all of that predates the podcasts. And I've never bothered to try to move that media over. It would be but, a project
3: and you got to be careful with projects, but, yes,
0: um, it's, but it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> but, no,
3: but they're sort of timeless, your discussion. So, I mean, even if there's a couple when you're moving and you need some material, I just love hearing the old stuff, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank
3: you. Yeah. I had a couple CDs and I listened to them so many times and they were great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are timeless conversations. It's the stuff of life. It's always our story that we're talking about. And, and that's just the human story.
3: Yeah.
4: Nice Thank to you.
3: See you. Nice welcome.
4: to see you, too. I would like to talk about something. I think maybe I'm not alone in uh, regarding difficulties in Christmas and family. And yeah, I've been it's been terrible because my my sister, about uh, December the 5th, she announced that she was going to have Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is is the big thing in Denmark. It's Christmas Eve, yes. the twenty fourth, and and she said she was going to have that and and usually we're at my mom and dad' house, mom and dad's house, and then uh, I, I said, oh, okay, well we'll do something new. That's fine. Well, tell me what to bring, and then she said, but you're not invited. Ooh, and I thought I was like, but what? She knew that this was the first year since here in January. It's actually been two years since my husband died. Mm -hmm. And since he died, I haven't been without my my boys. They are old, but it's still my boys. (laughs) So this was the first year without them. They were going to spend Christmas with their dad. So I was actually alone. So I was going to be with my mom and dad, my sister and her boyfriend and her little kid. And then she invited my mom and dad and i wasn't invited and i didn't have my boys so i was going to sit alone and i thought what is going on and in my heart it feels like my husband just died so i just i went down completely down and this i feel like i'm in a depression because i feel i was hit by this loneliness in my heart even though i have wonderful people around me i have so many beautiful friends but this is my family and my sister, and and like you talk about the social media. I just saw a a beautiful, perfect picture from New Year's Eve. She was with her boyfriend and kids and uh, some friends, and she she wrote Happy New Year to all you beautiful people. Uh, hashtag peace, love, and harmony. But she, in my family, you can't talk about feelings, so I couldn't I couldn't tell her. It hurts in me. Well, let me come,
0: uh, in, sweetheart. I, I kind of get the picture. So I think that this is a story about family not showing up in the way that one assumes family should show up. But I certainly have a similar thing with my family. Some of my family, not all, some. I know so many people, no doubt people on this very call have that experience. And and where the pain lies is in the assumption that this person should be acting like a sister. I know. Your your definition of a sister, even if you are acting as a sister for her, but she's not acting as what you consider to be sisterly behavior toward you. This is where the pain lies,
4: I know. I know all that. And I've been working on my attention all the time, but I still go down. I just. Yeah, because it hurts. It, It
0: hurts. It hurts to be rejected. And especially by a family person. It does. You know, there's a line that Katie Byron uses that I adore. Whenever anyone or anything leaves me, I feel spared. Like if they leave you, they reject you. It doesn't apply to people who die that you loved. It's it that I would say is not the category that we're talking about. But when something rejects you, you get fired, someone leaves you, they don't like you, a sister doesn't behave like a family member. You can feel spared. What is spared? Spared means saved almost. You spared from spared from more agony.
4: Yeah. But the problem is my sister, how can I, how can we in the future be in the same room? There's uh, Christmas again, there's birthday. Mm -hmm. And I just, actually, I don't want to see her, but I have to do it because of the kids. I don't want to hurt the kids.
0: Well, you'll, you'll, you'll find a way at that point. But I think the adjustment is in the meantime before that is to come to a place where you recognize that This is someone with whom you're not particularly safe to feel really accepted and loved and honored. That's not going to be the case. So just as you would be with anybody else with whom you felt those feelings, you would be, you might have to be polite due to the circumstance, but you don't have to be phony
4: either. You don't have to... The problem is, no, I will be over polite and I'll be so... Pleasing because you don't have every, to do it everybody's that way. afraid of her. Everybody's, my mom and dad, they didn't dare to say no to her yes, because everybody's so, afraid of her. It may
0: be that you can find a way to be more authentic and polite without being overly polite, without being overly unctuous. Do you know that word? It means kind of syrupy and it's kind of syrupy and overly sweet and all of that. You don't have to yeah. be that. You can just be calmly polite It's so difficult for me I just it's so difficult. If it's that I, difficult, I know plenty of people who then don't put themselves in the circumstance at all. I, I know so many people over the years who've said they've decided they don't want to be in the same room with a certain family member who they feel abused by. So then these are all these are all adjustments you can make in the meantime if that incident is now over, you didn't have to go and be in the room. You were spared you were spared in a way. I know you can't yeah. see that right now, but okay. Well, sometimes why this why this statement works is imagine you went and she really didn't want you to be there and you could feel it from a mile away. Yeah. And <laughs> here you are stuck in that space. You don't want to just get up and leave and make your parents feel awful and make you ruin the day. So you're stuck. There you are stuck having to feel the the, the bad vibes directly mm-hmm. right there on you. Yeah. You were spared. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what's brilliant about this quote is that so many things in our lives that reject us, they expel us out. That's one can see it a different way. You can see that you were actually spared. You were spared the up close wounding. You were spared the... Awkwardness of the situation. You were spared the moments inside where you just want to scream, but you're having to swallow it because of this. Yeah. You'll be un, unfortunate in the in polite society to just start screaming. So yeah. you, know, you were spared all of that. And that's the way to see it. And you don't yeah. have to try to change her. Let's assume she's not going to change.
4: And she's not going to change at all.
0: Okay. Well, the adjustment inside of yourself will allow you to be in various circumstances like this and stay in your own authenticity not being unkind because that'll have a blowback to you later if you're unkind if you say things you wish you hadn't said Mm, but also not having to pretend anything extra either and it's a delicate balance and I agree it's not always easy but I think it can be done and I have had that direct experience myself you know so to just really be Sitting on your own mountain seat of freedom, as I like to say. Yeah. Sit in the room. See it as though you're watching from a distance. Another trick you can do is imagine that this is going to be the last time you see your sister. That for whatever reason, a sudden accident. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just say if that's the trick that you could use to be in that room and not be you know, and to be at your best self. Just imagine that this might be the last. And 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 one of these times it will be the last. And given that you're not very close, there's not many of those times left. No. Right. This will be one of the last times you see her.
4: Yeah. But I just I just want to say I'm sad. But is that is that wrong? Shouldn't I say I'm sad when it starts, kicks her off in screaming and yelling? She's she's in defense. She wants to tell. Why it's okay that she did this?
0: Well, something called skillful means, right? Skillful means. It's a very important part of Buddhist teachings Mm -hmm. that you always have in your awareness. Whenever you're in any kind of circumstance like this that you're describing, you need to apply skillful means. Yeah. Yeah. To basically say okay i'm in a circumstance with other people my elderly parents for whom this may be quite stressful already oh yeah right? and so to not to not necessarily think okay i need to explode here and tell them all my feelings but
4: rather who do that is always me who who don't do it
0: yeah. Well, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. Maybe you're making a choice for yourself that's actually the better choice. I would say it's, that's quite possible that you don't have to tell them how sad you are. They might pick up on it. They might not. Your parent. You could maybe tell your parents separately. They might listen to it. But why also? You know, you would have to ask yourself why burden them anymore with anything. My sense for you is that this this adjustment has to occur within you. Forget the other players in the room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and then as you're saying, you have wonderful friends and you have friends even on this this very call who've been with you from this whole process for two years with the loss of your husband and all that that entailed. Find your joy and your connection where it's gonna be met. Don't try to find it in places that it's not. And even if they're your family. Yeah. Right? It's like you, you're trying to do something that or hope for something that isn't probably possible. So at least from what you're describing. Yeah. So, it's not. But, so be it. Right. So be it. She's just being her. Be in the so room, have, room. I'm moving my attention. <laughs> yes. Move your attention off of that where it's hurting and where your story is, is making it worse. Yeah. There's the rejection, and that hurts. You know, it hurts. But it can have a it can have a very uh, minor, not minor, but just a, a, it will be in its place. It's sort of like okay, there's I happen to get this sister, you know, who doesn't show up as a nice sister, and okay, that's that, right? And I'll put my attention on to the sweetie pies that I have in my life.
4: Yeah. I have many sweetie pies and I'm yeah. very grateful. Yeah. yeah.
0: Of course. And there are many, many people. Including you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a good group. Yeah. And, and And there are many, many people in the world who find solace among their friends in a way they never did with their family. So there's many, many people. We have all these expectations of family, you know, and, and this whole idea about blood connection. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't exist. And it does. And especially if you've you've grown up with these people. So you have a historical connection and you have a biological connection. But the biological connection is not that significantly different than any one of us. You know, your genetic reality and mine are very similar and your mm-hmm. sisters might be a tiny tad more, not much in terms of the whole picture of
1: mm-hmm. it. That's um, a nice
0: thought. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think about that a lot. We're only about 2% different genetically from chimps, from chimpanzees.
1: Yeah.
0: The human, exactly. the human genetic makeup, the genetic reality, it's only about a 2% difference from a chimp. Wow. And yeah. So the whole kind of almost a hysterical level over biological connection is another story that gets entranced in us and I'm not saying there's not meaning there and especially for people who you know like I, I long ago I heard someone had he had several kids two of whom were adopted and he was being interviewed by one of the American big time interviewers, Larry King, for those of you who don't know. And Larry said, and you have some adopted kids, right? And the father answered, yeah, but I can never remember which ones are which.
4: Ah, And I loved that, you know,
0: people get a dog or cat or any kind of creature Mm -hmm. and they, they love it as their own. I mean, many people love, their pets in a way in a in an unconditional way that they never experienced with another human. I've heard this many times. So, you know, to really start to ask yourself about all these kinds of expectations. She's just mm-hmm. another person here on the planet. You happen mm-hmm. to come through the same two people who had sex at two different times and had these mm-hmm. kids pop out. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yes, you have a lot of genetic, you do have a lot of history together, etc. But don't overplay it in terms of the importance
4: that's very good advice very very good advice
0: <laughs> probably triggered a bunch of people here on this call but anyway <laughs> all right
1: sweetheart thank, thank you. you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Hi, dear. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, good to see you. And I I really loved that you started
2: off with the the anti-New Year's Eve narrative. You know, (laughs) know, um, because I, I, you know, I do get into wishing people a Happy New Year, but I've really had to to challenge myself. There's one friend of mine who's gone down this spirituality route in recent years, but there's a lot, nearly everything she says now annoys me. It's like I have to really kind of hold myself back from, you know, there's no time actually, you know, where where I I have to stop myself from coming out with these statements because I just sound like a Grinch. But um, (laughs) I really can't relate to this feeling of hope for the new year Uh, Mm -hmm. because I I don't see it delineated between previous and and new, really. And I'm sure my, my mind does process things in terms of years, but it just feels just so bizarre, you know, this... Last year was bad and this year hopefully will be good.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. You it's know, sort of a setup for <laughs> a lot of um, disappointment. Yeah. I, I suppose what I, what I wanted to kind of ask you or,
2: or to be specific about was, you know, the thing about boundaries of people, like, you know, I live, I live with the physical condition myself and it's all about energy and having to pace myself. And, you know, I can't be the person that I really in my ideal I want to be, but I have to live with the, the injury, I suppose. And it's really hard when you're working with people at that high level of energy, which I do as well, who seem to be driven by the lazy thing. And, and, you know, so, yeah, the boundary aspect, which goes into friends that are irritating me with, you know, spirituality that I don't buy into peace and love too much. And, you know, also not extending myself too much when my energy is low with people, you know, not coming across as mean. So it, it seems to be something about, you know, how does one like what you were talking about as well, like how do you be... Authentic. Authentic amidst the mass herd of whatever the grand narrative is.
0: Yeah. That is a a great koan to live with because you have to walk the line of basically skillful means. You can't just sort of blurt out every thought you're having. No. um, Or announce your disdain for... (laughs) The conversation that's in the room <laughs> so one has to uh, first of all choose your company wisely yeah right and not expect that you have to contort to certain types of company just to sort of be in a place where you can kind of keep the peace right yeah yeah but we are, all, we are all subject to being in sometimes circumstances where we have to be socially appropriate. And it may not be that you're feeling you can really truly be yourself in those circumstances because the other person may not really get you. Sometimes we are in circumstances that are socially challenging and that's just how it is. Sometimes that's just the case it's, I think, fair enough to try to limit those. We have enough of them in life that we can't do anything about. No point seeking out any extra. And it's perfectly fine to just prefer the company of those of your own feather, right? Birds of your own feather, whereby you can have a stream of consciousness conversation where you can just go anywhere and you're not being judged and you're being heard And you're interested in what the other is saying, you know, that is so delightful. And when it's harder work, whereby, you know, I've often said this line, often the deeper one goes, the more you're in a position of offering understanding without being understood yourself. That's how it is. It gets kind of lonely in that way. Or at least it's an alone feeling whereby you're making the translation always. And often you're not feeling that you're really being understood or heard. Exactly, yeah. And the, and the deeper one goes in this, in this journey, that's the what so. So when you are met, when you are with someone who does get you, and you get them and and there's a spark whereby you know they even though you're sort of hanging out on the same wavelength and frequency, because you're both looking at facets of the same diamond, they are seeing a slightly different facet that as they describe it, it lights up your understanding of the of the diamond more. And that's so exciting, you know, and, and wonderful. Yeah, you know, I unabashedly try to hang out with those kind of people. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and you, can you avoid people politely
2: if you realise they're lovely people? But this, I'm I'm just reacting. If you're reacting to somebody, you know, continuously, it's not really a good sign of friendship.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? that, right. When you're in a circumstance where it's just not a good vibe. Yeah. Well, you could spare yourself of that and the other person. Yeah. Know. So yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to be misshapen in yeah. order to match somebody's energy. And it doesn't mean you know. There's a line I've always loved from Ken Keyes, a teacher from America who died a long time ago. Love is not necessarily a basis for involvement. Very good. Yes.
1: Yeah. Very good. Good yeah. Yeah, And and that's another thing to
0: really understand. Sometimes we think, I need to rise above this. I need to be much more accepting of all this different kind of energy. Why am I so withholding? All of those stories, you don't need any of that. Love is not necessarily a basis for involvement. Yeah, yeah. A natural connection is the basis for involvement, right? uh, An organic connection that is actually a felt sense, and you can't really fake it. And I wonder if to
2: think about energy again is if our energy is being drained, is that a sign to pull back? Yes. That's just the only sign we need sometimes, regardless that of it. the narrative of I should be
0: kind and I should be whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I, of course, it's best to not be unkind in any circumstance. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it means to withdraw if necessary, you know. You, yeah. But yes, of course, if you're feeling just drained. I'll even go a step further. If it's just you're just sort of waiting, just just kind of like passing the time <laughs> and getting through it, even if it's not super draining. Maybe that also doesn't appeal, you know, that you would just rather be alone with your own thoughts. <laughs> you <know? laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I often I often talk about Leonard because he was such an incredible force in my life. And I the longer time passes, uh in fact, today, you know, as I said, I've been clearing stuff out and going through old things on lots of my old previous phone books when we used to have actual data planner things. I had his his numbers all all in all my previous books, and just seeing his name and his his phone numbers and his address, and I was just thinking about him and thinking about how, you know, now it's getting to be more years since he was here and how it, it, the celebration of his life is very strong in in my heart. But he was a great mentor in so many things, and one of them was his refusal to socialize with anyone other than his most dear friends. Like everyone, when I lived in Los Angeles and people came to know that I was his friend, so many people were, were vying to like people who were super famous themselves. And he just was never interested in any of that. I mean I didn't impose it on him at all, but but I I, I would just watch from afar whenever anyone was trying to, you know, meet him. He just wouldn't. He once told me that his, his own cousin came through LA and he didn't, didn't go see her, he didn't let her come over. You know, He yeah. had his own creativity that he was very dedicated yeah. to. Yeah. And he had his few, frankly, Dharma friends. Those were the people he hung out with. He hung mm-hmm. out with Dharma friends. Yeah. You know, he way preferred his Dharma pals to anybody else. And yeah, yeah he hung out with his kids and right and and his his friend his donna friends um, yeah, that's not, not, that's a, not a lot of there weren't a lot of those very handful right and it was yeah yeah and and i loved just his authenticity in his life you
2: know just because yeah. sometimes when you're not famous you think how nice it would be if all these people
0: wanted to know me yeah <laughs> Right. Exactly. It's one of the things we think about fame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think oh gosh, you'd have access to everybody, you know. Wow. Yeah. But he had no interest. <laughs> you nice. know, I mean he'd been famous so long and he yeah. knew the whole scene very well from long long ago, but uh, boy, the last 30 years of his life at least, he lived a very different life. Right. Wow. Um, he lived 5 years as a monk. Okay. Yeah. In, in a Zen center, really yeah. hard, hard Zen center center where it's rough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, there was just such a kind of permission for authenticity and for living yeah. your own true life and being yeah. with the people you love and that light your heart. And that then also feed energy. Cause when you're living in your authenticity, you have a lot more energy. Okay you do yeah. Yeah. because when you're living in any kind of compromise there's a slow drain happening and the more intense the compromise the, the bigger that drain is running out of your system it's causing a lot of rumination it's causing a lot of a, a kind of self-denigration yeah. yeah you feel twisted inside and you start thinking oh yeah. how did i get in this position how did this happen why am i there's something i'm not looking at it's it's very powerful to basically step to your own beat. Yeah.
2: Right. I, one last thing I'll say, I had an experience last year of rejection that still haunts me as well. And and you know, I, sometimes I think what did you know that there's that sense of what did I do maybe to keep this going in my head, something about my own authenticity of getting, you know, getting involved with that person in the first place was the mistake, <laughs> you, know, it was, you know, that there's some, the fact that it keeps running in my mind to a degree, is there's something that's still my authenticity is still trying to align itself with the answer, yeah. so it's just something that occurred to me, yeah, that, um, and I've, I've brought it right back to, yeah, I've, maybe I compromised myself in the first place to even get yeah, involved or maybe you're now spared from any further yeah. punishment <laughs> but it's just that, that question of you know the authentic you know and replaying i think there's something that well
0: yeah i, I well i mean we have to be also gentle with ourselves because you can't just sort of land in great authenticity we no, all make exactly, experiments yeah. as we go but it is, yeah. it is something that you get better at you know yeah. as we were talking earlier about noticing the signals earlier on so for instance let's give an example yeah let's say there's someone in whose company you do find that you're feeling like you're sort of pretending or you sort of have an agenda or something about their energy is triggering you in a way that you're still attracted to the friendship but you're beginning to realize whatever that attraction is it's not particularly healthy Yeah.
2: yeah you're you're in
0: it for some other yeah. Feeding is part of yourself that needs to sort of die. <laughs> and, um, and so you get better at seeing the discomfort in that person's, in the company. And so I'd say that that's what Leonard was a genius at. He, if he didn't enjoy a, comp- a particular company, you now he could, he was charming and he could pull it off. He could be in anybody's company and they would think that, you know, all was well. But I knew him a long time and I would know that certain types of characters would be draining for him. So I'd say give yourself permission in that regard, too. There's, yeah. a, there's something very powerful about really knowing what feeds your heart, what allows you to be your best self, to, it, it, to be the most magnanimous. And it doesn't mean that you have to then be subjected to all kinds of circumstances in which just to get through politely, you're having to sort of pretend. Rather, you save your energy from those kinds of circumstances, and it's now available for a, a real true mm-hmm. generosity of heart.
2: Sometimes it's harder just to say to the taxi driver, look, I need to be quiet. It just seems like he would be sitting in weird silence. So like that, I'd go along with it sometimes. Sure. And yeah. also in
0: that circumstance, I would be saying to myself one step more that here's someone who's got a tough job and one of the main ways he's making it bearable is he's connecting with people. So I would happily do that again in a short situation. Obviously, I wouldn't be going from New York to Florida in a situation like that. But yeah, those are the kinds of skillful means that you, one has in the back of one's mind. Can I be, even though this isn't necessarily fun for me in this particular moment, can I just be generous for this time limited amount of time? But if it's with someone who's in your life and is there's an irritant somehow in it, a connection that just doesn't match then you ask yourself can I extricate in a gentle way don't hurt anyone's feelings if possible sometimes just drift away that that is really the more authentic thing that I feel is the truth and it then allows you to just have more energy for something else in your life thank you Catherine This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private phone session and view upcoming events, such as our monthly Zoom sessions. I want to deeply thank our donors for your support and encourage our other regular listeners to consider making either a one-time or recurring donation. We would also be grateful for a review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening. Till next time.